What's up, what's up everyone? Welcome to another week of the GoLink Show. My name is Ben, the host and founder of GoLink. GoLink is a supportive community of growth junkies and life learners embracing weekly challenges. Each week we find a new way to level up and learn something new. So it could be a cold shower, waking up at 5 a.m., a kind act, taking yourself on a date, journaling, meditating, various fitness activities, and much more. These challenges are inspired by mission-driven brands that align with our values. So if you're crazy like me and you love to level up and you're always looking for ways to evolve and grow and step into your fullest potential, then GoLink is just for you. Join us every week on social media to participate in these weekly challenges. Embrace the challenge with me at GoLink Group. The GoLink Show, this podcast, recounts experiences from life enthusiasts with a unique perspective. So they could be a mother, a teacher, business owner, coach, entrepreneur, somebody with many years of experience, or someone just stepping into their arena. Wherever they are in life's journey, we all have a story to tell. So we delve into the struggles that we come across during our journey. How do we find the will to make it through? What role does failure play in our lives? What tools and lessons have we learned from those difficult experiences? Let's talk about the process and not just the result. We discuss this and much more in the show. Thanks for tuning in. Hola, my friends. This week, we have a special guest, Ryan Alford. He is the CEO of Radical. They help companies grow with marketing at the speed of now. So marketing company focused at the speed of now. We'll talk about what that phrase means. And they're focused on video, branding, PR, and social media management. We talk about marketing, but much, much more in this interview. We hear a lot about his story and the story of creating a viral video that's been seen over 500 million times, which is insane to me. 500 million times that this video has been seen. He has lots of experience with big brands such as Verizon and the Can You Hear Me Now campaign, Budweiser, and more big brands. He had a 1.9 GPA his first semester of college, and he turned out completely fine. Uh, He gives practical advice for companies and brands with marketing, the typical mistakes that they make, but also even if you don't have a company, you don't have a personal brand, he explains why marketing is important for you and for everyone. So enjoy this interview, this meaningful conversation with Ryan Alford. Let's go. Ryan Alford, what's up, my dude? What's happening? We are in the new space um, camaraderie, correct? That's how I that's how you I say it. it Not camaraderie. Yeah, you can say it that way too. <laughs> but yeah, uh, camaraderie is is the name. Uh-huh. We're here. Yeah, I'm super stoked to be here. This is it's a definitely like a rad. I didn't even mean to say that, but it's a rad spot, and I'm just happy you're letting me come in here, crash the party, uh, interrupt the flow. So thanks for being here, my man. Yeah. Um, well, I guess thank me for being here, but thanks for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before I just had an idea, usually you start off these things with tell me about yourself. I'm going to actually say what's something that people wouldn't expect to know about you. Uh, wouldn't <laughs> expect. Okay. Curveball right off the bat. <laughs> I told um, you, man, you better be ready. I have one kidney. I was born with a cystic kidney, yeah. uh, and I was two days old. And it scared the crap out of my uh, my mm-hmm. parents because um, they, they mm-hmm. had me in the ICU unit because they didn't know what was wrong with me. But I had mm-hmm. one of my kidneys was just deformed and, and born unusable, but my body huh. was trying to use it. So it threw off all my uh, natural ways. But uh, So I've lived my entire life with one kidney, uh, <laughs> and so there's your uh, unknown fact. I don't know if that was like... 
helped no, you anywhere sure. in the the personal <laughs> development coaching uh, aspect, but that's yeah. something very few people know. Uh, no, it stunted my growth. Cool. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say no. that's the inside joke because <laughs> you, growing up, and I don't know if you've ever heard this. Uh-huh. They say kidney people with kidney issues growing up uh-huh. it does stunt their growth, I didn't and know that. Uh, so it can have something to do with like mm-hmm. your development. But uh, luckily, I, I had no such issues. <laughs> yeah, how tall are you? I'm right at six five. Yeah, six, with shoes five. on, I'm definitely six five. I think I'm, you know, take the shoes off. I'm like six four and a half, six four and three quarters. <laughs> so, this is yeah. We're not getting into the development world space yet. <laughs> but have you? Because I know like you're you're fit, dude. And have you had any trouble building muscle being a tall person? Yeah, I I, I think um, in some ways, yes. I think especially when I was younger, mm-hmm. um, in the teens, I had a hard time because I played basketball. Mm-hmm. And it was all cardio, I mean, running laps and doing stuff. And I think it was more that. Like, I didn't have the knowledge that I have now. And it was we didn't have smartphones and all this, you know, fitness of readily just, available. Like this knowledge was just more available. You know, there was yeah. no internet, you know. So, <laughs> you know, my dad was a member of the gym, and I would go to the gym and work out while also playing basketball all the time. And I couldn't really put on that much muscle, especially my upper body. My mm-hmm. legs have always been strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's more genetics, I think. But... But now that I know now, and once I got into my 20s, mid-20s, 30, and all that, learning more about fitness, having more access to knowledge and and, and what to do, I actually can put on muscle. And I think if I had known mm-hmm. some of those things, I probably could have done that earlier. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and for me, it's funny because I feel like the older I get, the easier it is to put on muscle. Or I just feel like you start to get, like, a man's body or, like, a yeah. dad body. Like, yeah. just, like getting older i feel like yeah like in my mid to late 20s i'm still there but like that's where just with consistency in the gym like doing nothing crazy yeah because people ask me like how do i get in shape it's like consistency man yeah it's definitely that i i've always been it's always i think it's in the offered blood (laughs) because i remember growing up and my dad ran like five miles probably three or four times a week and you know this was when don't get me wrong i'm not saying gyms and working out hasn't been popular for a long time and I'm not dating myself here but like <laughs> late 80s early 90s you know there wasn't an anytime fitness on every quarter corner yep. or you know like whatever there just wasn't that really but my parents were always physically active my dad would you know get, I'd always thought it was crazy put on his jogging and stuff and go off a run and be gone for 30 40 minutes or whatever run five miles and he did that three so I always had that kind of in my life and then my sister and I have always had the workout bug like Mm -hmm. we've definitely had fluctuations in our weight I've definitely had the you know the freshman 15 (laughs) where you're eating way more than no matter what but I've always been motivated to work out and I think it might just be a genetics thing in our blood because my dad was the same Mm -hmm. way my mom's kind of the same way my sister's like as anal as I am she's 10 times more anal it's like I mean that's good yeah it's a good thing to be (laughs) like like having the blood so tell me about marketing at the speed of now. What does that mean? You know, that's an interesting question. That's kind of the tagline for Radical. Mm-hmm. Um, which is Radical is your marketing company. Yep. Which you uh, own. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're an 18-month-old company. I've been in the ad agency business my entire career, uh, almost 20 years. And so working for a lot of other people, working for big brands, started Radical 18 months ago with the premise of marketing at the speed of now. Mm-hmm. And... It's an interesting tagline because what it 
I think, and I haven't done any focus groups, you know, it's about the, the, the beauty and the curse of myself. I kind of go on instinct a lot. You know, I wrote that down when I was thinking about what we wanted to be as an agency and what I thought was relevant, would resonate and, and differentiate us. And this notion of speed is important, but I think, I think when you hear that, you immediately think, I guess they do everything fast. Yep. Um, yes, we do. That is, that is one of our pillars, actually one of our core values. And that is that we believe that success loves speed. And so we do things fast, but, you know, we do a lot of content development. And my thought process is now with smartphones, the ability and the number of platforms to message on that you, you would be better to be getting content that is really good out there quickly so you can read and react to consumer obviously you want it to be on brand and you don't want it to be i just i mean literally walking in this meeting i was mm-hmm. what it helped me maybe 15 minutes late to us getting <laughs> yeah. started sending an email to a client that you know we sent her some content over and you know she's doing what she should do she's being she's evaluating that and she's like well we really like this one video and but these these three or four you know they just we just don't like them as much as we like the other they were on brand they were animated. They were nice-looking videos. They all mm-hmm. were, and I think the client would say that too. But they just, but they had a subjectivity around a, a one style, and so there are but, four different styles. Four different styles, and she liked one the best. Mm-hmm. The other three were fine. They were not off-brand. And my point back to her was, we need more volume of content out there more quickly, so that we're touching more people, and we can. Let's let the market evaluate that, and let's see if what yeah. you're saying is right or wrong. Again, I'm we're not promoting being fast to rush into doing off-brand mm-hmm. or stuff that we aren't comfortable with or that don't represent the company well. Mm-hmm. But we do operate quickly, and I think we produce honestly, like knowing the industry, being in it nationally, for the size of agency that we are for the number of people that we're working with in comparison to other regional agencies, no one is developing the amount and the quality of content at the speed that we are. So what are your thoughts on quality versus quantity? I think it depends. Mm-hmm. So I think based on our, our whole premise is built on more of the quantity side of it. Uh, we probably produce 250, 50 videos a month. That's crazy, bro. And um, how for how many clients? 10 to 15. Woo. And so these and these aren't Yeah, they're know, like, these aren't 5 second no. like ugly they're smartphone. High it's high quality, yeah. you know. Um and so but here's where I would stop and say this cuz we 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 had this conversation my creative director Mike mm-hmm. We worked together a long time, worked on a lot of big brands, and we had this discussion a lot, back to the speed thing, marketing Uh speed and now. We want to do a lot of content really well, really fast, so that we can get it out to the market to respond, kind of like the Oreos moment in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we, I believe in being able to respond quickly and respond quickly with video, with high-quality content, and to, to let the market guide us versus our own subjectivity. However... When we're working on the brand anthem for a large to medium business, you know, 
that needs to tell an emotional story. And we really need to make sure it is on brand, on strategy. We need to take our time with that in the right way. And brands mm -hmm. need to. And we're not going to be rushed to, especially evergreen type things that are going to stick around for a long time. Like that a are, centerpiece to their centerpiece. portfolio. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not going to rush that out. Now, will our process always be faster, great quality, even for those type pieces? Yes. Instead mm -hmm. of three months, like maybe at another agency or a big agency that's really trying to, you know, grind it out and like, yeah, they're trying to do great content and it's going to be beautiful. You know, ours might be four or six weeks, you know, instead of three months. Yeah. Has it ever, has marketing at the speed of now ever not worked out for you? Like, have you gone too fast? I think the answer would be yes. Um, you know, you know, we're 18 months old and I've done this a long time, but it doesn't mean I know everything <laughs> and, <laughs> most certainly. Uh -huh. And there are moments where I look back on some things and go, that might not have been the best foot forward that I would have wanted in that moment. Mm -hmm. But you know what? At the same time that I say that and reflect on that, there would have been no foot forward if I had or the client and I had deliberated on it forever because, like you know, mm -hmm. so was it, you get, you can get real self-critical moving quickly, you yeah. know, because you go, all right, well, why did we do that? What, what <laughs> were you thinking? Yeah. You know, especially, you know, we, one of our most known clients, Dr. C rich Constantine, uh, mm -hmm. I won't call him that he is not the dancing dentist. He's like the <laughs> furthest thing. He's a dentist that can dance. Well, um, and honestly, but. and so I'm, I met him at core 24, the gym. Yeah. I just introduced myself. Yeah. And dude, that guy is just genuine. Holy cow. Just like the nice. You ever person. met a nicer guy? No, I was like, Whoa, honestly. nothing like you expect. <laughs> yeah. But there were some things with him because his stuff was moving so fast. We went viral with that first video. We really wanted to keep the audience. How many views did it get? We, that video has been, been seen worldwide over 500 million times. Jeez, dude, 500 million times. <laughs> and zero paid. Zero. You didn't pay for any ads. That's what that No means. ads. Not a single advertisement was run. Zero. Okay. All organic, all driven by the original viral video on Facebook. And then with the gasoline that we poured on with PR, with getting uh, news releases, getting the name out there, spreading it more, going on the largest TV station in the Middle East, uh, their morning television show, all via Skype, um, going on Good Morning America, going in Inside Edition. I reached out to contacts yeah, at ABC News. So we poured gas on an already growing fire, <laughs> but it became, you know, went from, you know, a garage fire to a, a, a full on... Uh, <laughs> like that this might be too soon <laughs> yeah for alarm on fire i don't know yeah it, it might, might be, be too, too soon. soon yeah probably yes, probably hopefully i didn't say that i stayed away from that i was starting to go towards you know, like a california wildfire i'm like geez people that's, <laughs> that's all, just yeah. not the right way to go but i think you get the the analogy but yeah, yeah. and so over 500 million views there was times in that when i look back at some of the things that we did for him some follow-up content because we were keeping the flame going i mean what people don't realize, they all remember that first video. We did like seven or eight dance videos after that mm -hmm. that all got over 20 million uh, views. That's crazy, That even stand alone, like what's funny is you get invited on Ellen if you get over a million views on one video. He probably, we had seven videos with over 20 million views. I mean, like. That's crazy. <laughs> so, so he posted one by himself that started to go viral. 
Is that what happened? And then it started going crazy, so he contacted you? No, we were working together already. Oh, from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I'd given him, like, his okay. tripod, and, like, we were talking about stuff. <laughs> nice. His, But his his girls uh, at work told him about the video, about the dance challenge, and knew he could dance, and told him to do uh-huh. it. And I I managed his Facebook page. And was, you know, was this Drake's? Was, was that it was Drake's it was? In My Feelings. Yes. And uh-huh. So I managed his page and have, you know, all his, you know, his, admin on all his accounts and everything mm-hmm. like that so we were already working together but i had been encouraged i was like dude you're a good looking guy you got a great personality mm-hmm. you got to be out in front of the camera more but his girls found you know told him to do the video he he used like i think he used the tripod that i had given him mm-hmm. he set it up and then you know like he sent me a message or you know my phone starts dinging anyway because of all the uh likes and stuff that started coming in yeah. and he sent me a message i i think I want to say, and he was debating even taking it down at one time because really? he was just like, didn't, I think he was just, he was embarrassed because, you yeah. know, he's just a shy guy. He's yeah, genuine. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, do you know what's happening? I was like, I'm coming to your office. Like, I was like, no, you're coming. Get Trish. You're coming <laughs> to my house. Trish and his wife uh-huh. and him were over at my house like that night till late. And I was just like, dude, we're game planning. Like, so we were game yeah. planning from there, you know, how to like really, I mean, it was, it was going viral on its own. But really, that's when I started calling media contacts from my days yeah. in New York and because I'm, poured gas I'm sure it. the plan for him was not to have it seen millions of times, but maybe like thousands of times in his market. Is that what his expectation was? It was totally. It was totally like, hey, it's a dance challenge. I'm trying to open up. Uh, Ryan's encouraging me to be on camera <laughs> more. My people had already yeah. been challenged and you know, telling me yeah. I needed to do more. And it was a random thing, and they, he's a good dancer, you uh-huh. know. And so it was just like the meeting of all of those things. And then, you know, you can't plan for that. Like, I have you clients can't. now, oh, he want to go viral. I'm like, I've never marketed that. We are not the viral agency. Yeah. But you know what? It's back to if we swing enough times at bat, more content, more yeah. volume, the chances of that happening, maybe mm-hmm. not 500 million views, <laughs> but are more likely. Yeah, that's – been my experience with more content and letting the just the audience decide of on my platform just releasing like of course I always think it's good but then they don't always think it's good or maybe not the best or better you know and so it's cool just to kind of go through that process and learn just like I'm not putting stuff to like what they like necessarily but what do they find useful or beneficial? Like what do they want to help them Yeah. in my arena? Not just like, Hey, let me just make every, let me just make everything you want. It's okay. How can it resonate with you? And then how can I make it in a way that hits you? That's right. And it's been cool. Like definitely producing more content has got me in a practice that also produces quant or quality. Yeah. So doing more quantity has helped me get more quality content. And I, you know, somewhat related if anything and you know we, are, we meet as a team mm-hmm. at least every other week i mean we're together all the time we're in a very collaborative workspace we use the benefits mm-hmm. of our co-workspace as our team mm-hmm. uh here collaboratively so i feel like we're always together but we get at least in the meeting room once every couple weeks and i just have been hammering this is we've gone the other direction we've slowed down because we've let the uh, I'm so proud of my content bug catch us. What do I mean by that? Well, when Radical first started, 
there's a time and a place for the perfect DSLR slow motion shot. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And there's a time and a place where, you know, for our video people holding up my smartphone, I shot when it was me and a couple other people when Radical first started with a few clients. We did a lot of smartphone stuff, you know, and it worked just as well for the for the right types of things. Again, not the brand anthem videos, but <laughs> yep. for the the fast, quick content, micro content type yes. things. And we've slipped a little bit in our because I look at our volumes and everything like that. We're still killing a lot of other agencies and a lot of other brand. The brands that are working with us are doing a lot more video content than others, but we've gotten a little bit too. And look, I want to have, I'm very proud of our work. I'm very proud of our quality. I think if you go look at our pages, you, you produce really nice stuff. Mm-hmm. But we've let ego and a taste for quality in our own minds for slip into everything and not just those pieces like I discussed that need mm. to be that way. And so I've challenged my team. We're actually going and getting a little more nimbler and doing a little bit more, you know, run and shoot type things like we were doing in the beginning and then finding those moments. So you can kind of, and that's all back to, and I struggle with this because I used to do more videos of myself, like stories and, you know, I'll blame getting busy. I also blame (laughs) my own. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm, I can turn it on, but I'm probably, I'm actually more of an introvert data nerd. Like, you know, I sit with my digital media team the most because I can I, I like love the data and like mm-hmm. dig into that stuff and mm-hmm. I can sit at my desk all day kind of like running reports testing some ad combos and do things like I nerd out on that stuff. Mm-hmm. I can flip the on camera guy switch. I do have that ability, but it's not my natural thing either. You mm-hmm. know, and it, I just don't naturally get in front of my story camera all day. And and I even though I know that I should. You know, and I teach and I tell my clients that they need to be doing it. Uh-huh. But it's funny how, you know, we can kind of, I don't know, get in our own. It's not even that I get in my own head. I just have gotten to like, we, we're busy, we're doing other things. And I selfishly am not doing it as much as I want to be doing it. <laughs> okay, well, I'll ask in a couple of weeks how are the stories. We can, we can start with a story today. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, so what's something... If someone is saying, hey, I don't want video content or I don't care about social media, what marketing tip could you give that person? Let's just say, well, I have some ideas. Like, what are your tips for someone who's just like, I don't care about videos. I don't care about social media. Why does marketing matter to me? Here's why. It, okay. You went, you started down a path. I had a good answer. Okay. No, start a little bit. <laughs> start with the first, like answer. first tip, uh-huh. own your customer. What uh-huh. do I mean by that? So in this day and age, um, you need to own the relationship with your, with your customers, your clients, whether that's big or small. What do I mean by that? Emails, phone numbers, first and last names. There's a lot of companies that we start working with, and I'm not talking about so you can data breach them. I'm just saying so that (laughs) you can communicate with them. They're your customer, whether that's email, whether that's calling them. But if you're a small, like, you know, business where you only have seven clients, you know, it's about having their phone number and their email to to directly one-to-one communicate with them, not talking about spam. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a lot of companies that we work with that 
don't really own their customer data and they don't uh, take advantage of that relationship and nurturing it and nurturing it in contextual ways like okay I work you with you with this service you would naturally be interested in that service and I would and I would be so I'm an accountant but I'll also do X and Y that are relate to that um, are you having that communication with them and you know I'll, I'll use the word upsell cross-sell you know but in a contextual way not a spammy way yeah and so if you don't want to do social media and you don't want to do videos then do email marketing or one-to-one -one text marketing or but again own your customer data nurture them take care of them through communication mm -hmm. and that is marketing at its core in a lot of ways especially with customer-based marketing and i think that's one avenue everyone in business thinks about prospecting how do i get more customers yep. how do i get more how do i get more but if you will nurture your existing customers Number one, they'll stay with you. Number two, they will refer you. And number three, they'll help grow you. And so that is like tip uno numero uno. And it has nothing to do with content. Just really treating, like you said, own your customer, but like really like building that relationship with your current customer. I like that. So yeah. you mentioned an, an accountant. So they're probably not going to be running, you know, social media ads, but how can their career why does marketing matter to their career of just day-to-day -day or trying to get a promotion or do better at their job i will say this whether it's a lawyer whether it's a doctor whether it's accountant mm -hmm. some of those tried and true services and everyone kind of thinks that same thing and i even thought it at one point but now and it took maybe running my own agency and doing what i've done the last 18 months think about this if an accountant, even if he's a numbers guy, but would do stories and would do content on social media, mm -hmm. educating and making it interesting. And if he can't be that, then hire an agency, mm -hmm. you know, and you don't have to pay them tens of thousands of dollars. They're a small business agency, <coughs> radical, um, <laughs> you know, that will do this affordably mm -hmm. um, and do interesting content as an accountant. Hello. Wouldn't, who wouldn't want to be doing business with that accountant? Mm -hmm. They could break down the walls of what the heck is going on in this balance sheet. And it's boring. And it's boring. Yeah. And like, yeah, the numbers aren't that interesting. And it would it takes some strategies and some working out what that is. But that code can be cracked for anyone. And I'd be running Facebook ads and doing that if an accountant came to me and said, look, I see what you're doing. We want it to be radical. Like, an accountant could be radical. Mm -hmm. you know. A lawyer could be radical. We've tried to work with a couple of them. And they couldn't get out of their own way, you know, mm -hmm. but in, there are legal challenges in yeah. finance and in, in law, but being a human and showing humanity and not being looked at as a commodity or in a lawyer sense, some negative connotations, yeah. uh, there's ways to do social with that as well. <laughs> what? So you mentioned, uh, like someone getting in their way with you. With your clients, what's, if you can say, what's one pet peeve that's like, oh man, like if you would just do this, you would see like exponential engagement or business or whatever. You know, we don't, you know, that's kind of like sometimes the, the assumption like that agencies have working with clients. 
if they just do every we knew everything and they know nothing <laughs> yeah. about marketing or whatever. Mm -hmm. I never enter into a relationship with a client or a business and pretend that I know everything because every, there's nuances to business. Even if it's e-commerce, there's nuances to sports supplements versus beauty and healthcare mm -hmm. and, you know, those kind of things. There's nuances. And so I don't step into it pretending to have all the answers and like, well, if you just listen to everything that we said. But I do find that the general pitfalls are around ego mm -hmm. of how we've always done things and an un inability to try and test something for long enough to truly know if it could work. And, you know, kind of that example I gave before, you know, well, we like this one and, you know, these three are look okay, but they're not as good, cool as that one. You know, like, um, that is not a scientific way with which to, you know, expand and grow your business. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's hard to get solopreneurs like individual entrepreneurs that are real set in their ways. And I had a meeting with one a couple of weeks ago, super badass guy, like just super knowledgeable and knows his stuff, but he's kind of been sitting at this one point mm. makes a pretty good living, but he's never cracked the code for the next level for the next level. He's never, he's never scaled. And you does, know, does we sat in to? the room and gave him two hours worth of great advice and he won't do any of it. And it's not because he he took it to heart. He knew everything that we were saying was right, it, or good good tips, or good thoughts, or good things that he should try. Um, but then it came back to, yeah, but I just did this on the website, and I really like it. Focus group of one, <laughs> the worst way uh -huh. uh, to to judge anything, and that doesn't mean you don't go on your gut. Like we're all like, I do a lot on my gut. I said this at the beginning, mm -hmm. and like, yeah guided by your gut but like if you really want to grow and you really want to scale you've got to push past the solopreneur or the focus group of one mentality mm -hmm. and that's harder like that. than people it's not easy but you gotta well because we always think we're right <laughs> we do <laughs> it's funny like like i always think i'm right and then Luckily, I think I'm pretty open-minded that sometimes I'm like, oh, okay. Like I try something and it's like, oh, it's working, you know? Um, so how did you, like, did you stumble into marketing or how did you first I was a marketing major at Clemson. Okay. So how did you know that you wanted to do it? Oh, you know, <laughs> the honest truth is I think like. I grew like my my family. I grew up with a lot of entre my parents were entrepreneurs growing up. Oh, my cool. grandfather's an entrepreneur. I definitely felt like I had like that business slant, and I always felt like I had that creative side to me. I wasn't like an artist growing up. I didn't draw or anything like that. But I think I I kind of had that a creative brain, and so I think those things combined. And I think my girlfriend at the time was going into marketing. <laughs> and so it all came together. I'd like, you know, but there was some, some, there was both art and science in that decision. The, uh, the science of uh, what the, the former of what I said and the, the art of the latter, uh, funny, you know, man. so. 
Full um, transparency there. The full transparency. <laughs> and then it worked out, you know, I, uh-huh. and, and then that same mm-hmm. girlfriend who I was actually no longer with, there's some irony in this. Yeah. Um, she was working at an ad agency we were still friends and she gave mm-hmm. me a really good referral, you know, saying so don't ever burn your bridges. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and so two months out of Clemson went to work for Erwin Penland EP and co now here in Greenville, their largest agency in the state. Um, and so started there in 2001. Look, don't burn your bridges. That's smart. <laughs> um, so let's, I like to say, let's pimp yourself out a little bit. Can you name like the campaigns and the companies you've worked with? Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) we won't be humble. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. Um, we, um, a little backstory that gets you there. Um, Erwin Penland's largest clients and and the one I was hired to work on was Verizon. Mm -hmm. It was a small Southeast, not small. I mean, it was a $3 million piece of business, you know, annual retainer, which is for an agency EP side. That's a large piece of business. Mm -hmm. When I started there, they had it was Southeast. We managed retail advertising for all their stores in the Southeast. They have a ton of communication stores. Had a lot more then. It's a lot of it's gone to e-commerce, but mm-hmm. back then there was you know Verizon stores on every corner and agent stores and all that. And we did all of the marketing, almost store support for the Southeast stores. Okay. And so there's a lot of stores. And so we had that piece of business. We also did kind of managed everything for those stores customer-based communication so any customers that went to those stores specifically Verizon thinks about their customers more nationally now mm-hmm. um, but the regional com- communication if you walk into the store the graphics you see the ads you see in the newspaper ran a ton of newspaper ads and radio that was yeah. my first job was like trafficking hundred like when newspapers was like everything like we'd have to in every ad every people don't know this but Every newspaper had a different size and different ad sizes. Mm-hmm. So you'd have this eight by five ad that you'd create and get the client to approve, but then you'd have 300 in one market newspapers. You'd have to shrink it a little oh, bit, really? make it a little bit. And the variables within that ad, you don't have some of the softwares that you have now that automate like some of these things. Yeah. It was just very graphic design driven. You'd have to, you shrink it down. Sometimes you might have to remove an element. If it's a big, busy ad, you might mm-hmm. take something out, and you got to get that approved, and you got to proof the legal. Oh, this was a glamorous job. <laughs> Let me just tell you, when yeah. I first got it, proofing all those ads, getting them out. Same thing with radio. We'd have different radio reads, different disclaimers, depending on the state and the city. They have different disclaimers that you need, like legal. Um, so I did that starting out. And not so glamorous first year, but I made a lot of relationships with Verizon made a lot of good contacts. Um, I was promoted five times in like four years. Dang and you. there you go. And so I came really, I was good relationship, but I was also really aggressive internally at EP with like, give me more, give me more, give me more. Like if someone would leave like a, that was above me, even if I had had the job for a month, I want, I want their job. I will do their job. And my boss at the time, Alan Bosworth, he always gave me an opportunity. He said, until you fail. And I don't think I ever let him down. I wasn't perfect and I didn't get everything right, but I knew how to step into a role, take on direct reports, but I could, but I had relationships with Verizon. And so that led to national opportunities, building those relationships with me and other people on my team. It certainly was not a me show. It was a 
we had a great team. Yeah. Like guys that are still even over there. Um, Chief Growth Officer Jeff Hoffman and I, Alan, my boss, you know, he played air cover. I think we just – Curtis Rose, um, Catherine Sloan, who's now um, – Catherine Schaefer, but we had a really great core team mm -hmm. that really grew and grew our relationships. And we kind of did the same thing, started doing the same thing, you know, me stepping into roles we didn't even belong in. We were in, you know, meetings at Verizon that this little old agency in South Carolina probably didn't really belong in, but we'd go, we can do that. You know, they talk about something they need to get done. We can do that. Could we do it? Had we ever done it? No. <laughs> but could we yeah. figure out how to do it? Yes. And so we became that scrappy agency and we took a $3 million to $45 million over 12 years. Wow. We worked on everything from Can You Hear Me Now uh, to the Apple iPhone launch, which came onto Verizon. We really shepherded them in. Um, all the stuff with the NFL, all the original content with Drew Brees, um, the training ground, which was a big uh, traveling tour uh, of going to all the NFL cities when Verizon and NFL Mobile first got their deal. Um, the droid which was you know when the iphone first came out you know you had the droid uh that came in the android first android mm -hmm. phone we were involved in all of those campaign developments with the um you know we had the campaign the uh, i i can't do this i can't do that you know that was droid's first kind of uh, first foray okay. playing against the iphone mm -hmm. so we worked on all of those things um and so verizon was kind of the bread and butter but then while that was going on got involved with um i opened or helped open the new york office for ep um we so were they weren't there before they weren't in new york mm. so we opened the new york office i lived in new york for four years kept a place here it was kind of back and forth but lived in new york um and worked on you know got in, got pulled into other meetings um some budweiser stuff for hill holiday is actually a large agency in boston that owns ep okay okay <laughs> Uh, and so it's actually part of a big IPG conglomerate. I won't get into all of the, I, I guess yeah. I did a little bit there, but the uh, ad world and how it re evol revolves, it's all, uh, very, uh, incestuous, but, uh, <laughs> nonetheless, um, worked on a number of campaigns for them, firehouse subs, all of their original marketing and campaigns, um, Denny's. Everything Dude, this with is crazy, man. <laughs> like, I'm sure. Is there anything that sticks out from your head in your head of like what you've learned from all of those big campaigns? Um, you know, uh, yes, there is. There's, there's like a serious side, and then there's a like Ooh, not let's, so serious. Let's hear both. I love it. I'll start non-serious. <laughs> the not serious was kind of back to the premise of like radical now, which is like, you know, technology and the ability, like. Video was always put on this pedestal. You know, it costs like even five or seven years ago to get a really nice, even at the lowest level, nice 60 second, two minute brand video, you're gonna spend 10 grand. You know, Isn't that, that insane? you know, like five, seven years ago, like at the low level, yeah. in a big agency, you're gonna spend 150 to $500,000 for that same type of content. And 10 years, 15 years ago, it was unheard of. I sat, I sat on a million dollar budget 30 second commercial spots that was all it was can you hear me now spots with you know not every one of them because we started to templatize some of that but some of like the nfl stuff and other we're just getting a 30 second commercial that's going to go on all these tv a million to produce like you produce. charge them a million bucks yes and now it was a call with all of the resources that were there it wasn't like the agency was making 40 percent margin on that <laughs> it wasn't you yeah. know it was but 
So what have I learned? Like that has been really interesting and that's not even driven by the campaigns, but just by the budgets. You just, the money spent even on marketing then yeah. and now is so ridiculous with the, at the large brand level. Well, and some people, I think, especially younger people and even myself, I'm naive to how lucky we are. Yeah. Like social media is free. Yeah, exactly. You know, it doesn't, I don't care if you get 10 likes, it's free. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you can make a viral video for free. Like we take it for granted and because we don't remember those days of man, you had to pay like 10 grand for what you can make in your home with your phone in a few hours. Yeah. That's super cool. It is cool. So that has, is such a shift, you know, you know, and that is related to not necessarily the campaigns themselves, but just the size of the yeah. client and the changing of the technology and stuff like that. Um, on the more serious note, um, what hasn't changed, and Mike and I talk about this a lot, and you know, it matters for smaller business too, but it definitely matters for medium to larger brands that have to really live their brand, you mm -hmm. know, at a bigger scale. Um, the big idea in creativity is the ultimate differentiator. And hmm. so what do I mean by that? really great strategy built on insight into a consumer mindset fuels great creativity and ideas. For example, um, can you hear me now? That came out of a really great insight, which is at the time in 2000, it, it was, we not, it was, we never stopped working for you for a while. That was Verizon's tagline. Then it changed to, can, can you mm -hmm. hear me now? which was never really a tagline. It was just more the statement. Um, we never start working for you. It was really more the tagline, more empowering. Um, but can you hear me now? It's so simple, but it came out of this premise at the time. Verizon has the best network. People hated drop calls. All the other networks, they, they all had drop calls, but Verizon was the best. And it came out of just that simple insight of consumers don't want to deal with drop calls. And how and what could make them relate to that in a way that brings that emotion and that thought back up to them? And everybody knows when you say, and even you, I can't stop saying it, saying it now. Even to this day, it's mm -hmm. less of a challenge because luckily we don't have as many drop calls yeah. and we text and do a lot of things besides talking. Mm -hmm. This other day, I mean, I can't stop saying it. I'm like, it's still in the vernacular. You'll say when someone you can't get through, can you hear me now? But that was really based on that insight of the, you know, and it's so simple. And even to this day now, and just do it, just other things, you know, that was an empowering statement, but it was built on a consumer insight at the time. That has not changed. And the great differentiator from one brand to the other is still creativity backed by sound strategy. That's cool. Um, and because I know before Radical, before you started Radical, what was the other business that you were that you were? I, I owned a, de a dealership. I drive on demand, custom uh -huh. order cars. You know Carvana. What Carvana's doing now? Yeah, <laughs> we were doing it in 2012. <laughs> that's crazy. So I like, so you're definitely like the entrepreneur, and you've moved up in companies. What made you decide that? Okay, I'm going to start doing stuff on my own now. You know. I, I get asked that a lot, mm -hmm. uh, either on podcasts or just in, in part. And I, I think I am definitely, there's the entrepreneurship in my blood. I think I, I'm 
reasonably good at it. Um, I don't have it all figured out, but I could totally work for someone else. Hmm. Again, I am not. A lot of people assume like entrepreneurs. <laughs> you just don't. You can't work for anyone. Yeah. You're so like. No, I have. I'd have. I have no problem working for anyone else. Huh. Um, my both of my situations have been more. You know, leaving EP. You know, not really having a job there. If I wanted mm -hmm. to come back here and like needing to get back to Greenville with, you know, went through a divorce and, you know, my kids were here. I wasn't going to stay in New York. I wanted to be with them. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I wanted to be back here anyway. I'd had my fill in New York. Love New York, but it's a tough place to live, especially if you have kids and family and all that. Um, it was more out of just necessity. Like I had the idea with the car thing with a partner that was already doing it, you know, so I kind of like franchised his idea a little bit. Um, and it was just like, I'm going to try this. And it was a good time in my life in a transition period. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, I'm quitting and I'm going to go do it for myself. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> fist to the man. You know, it wasn't, it's never been that for me. Uh -huh. Like it was just more the opportunity at the time. It was like, okay, I want to do this. I guess I got to start it myself, mm. you know, had the funding to do it and did it. It didn't pan out. I just more, it didn't do wonderfully combined with, I didn't want to be a, car dealer salesperson yeah. dealing with there's just stuff that came with it that I just didn't think I was going to have to deal with that I did have to deal with didn't want to do that rest of my life I was a better marketer than a car operator yeah um and went to work for someone else in between as the chief marketing officer another agency and you know the the vibe and the culture didn't line up for what I wanted to do and be more than Oh, I'm, I can't wait to get my own business started again necessarily. I always had a, a thought in my process if I stayed mm -hmm. in an agency business that I might start my own agency. But like if for some reason there had been another EP size agency in Greenville that needed someone at my senior level, I might would have just gone over there for a few more years. I might would have mm -hmm. eventually started Radical, but it might not have been. There's not like this. And I, you know, if, I think it's going to work out. It's been so good so far, but <laughs> yeah. things didn't work out again. I have no, I really don't mind working for someone else, but I enjoy it. And now that I've had a taste of it, it's mm -hmm. a little bit hard to go back because you kind of do set your own schedule, make your, you know, and it's not because I get to play golf every day. It's not, I'm not <laughs> there yet. Uh, I don't know yeah. that I'll ever want to be there, but, um, mm -hmm. but it's, I think it's definitely in the offered blood. I think I, I'm not scared of it. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't become entrepreneurs just because they're scared of it. You know, like I've got a, I'm responsible for my own check. I'm like really responsible, like not just clocking in. You know, like <laughs> that that doesn't scare me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not intimidated by that. Um, doesn't mean I don't worry about it or think about it or you know mm -hmm. have all of our moments of doubt and all that. No, of course I do, but I've never. Yeah. It doesn't. It's never been a paralyzing that, and like that's probably more the inside of me than anything is for good, bad, or indifferent, and I was not a wild child or like some crazy person that's always, you know, like I just, I'm not that person, but I've just never been paralyzed by decision mm. in anything in life. I'm not, like, I just, I don't live my life that way. Um, and that's, that is, I don't think that is something you can, you you can train that. I'm not saying you can't get there. I'm not saying you can't be coached and mentored and all that. You can improve. 
but that's just been a gene inside But you just me. weren't, so you're saying you're not afraid just to pull the trigger to see what's going to happen. Yeah. And I've never been. Because you're not afraid of, if it works out, awesome. If it doesn't, I can just do something else. Yes. I, 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 there's something in my head that's probably both crazy and <laughs> wonderful at the same time. Terrible, wonderful, and crazy at the same time that, like, I've just never been paralyzed by indecision. Yeah, do I think about things sometimes? Do I rattle around like anyone? Of course. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not because, oh, oh well, I'm just going to go jump off this bridge. You know, or like, no, it's not like, <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm saying. It wasn't like I was some crazy wild child that was, uh-huh. you know. Um, but I've just never been paralyzed in making those choices. No, I think that, I mean, that's a huge strength. <laughs> uh, let's slightly, almost 180. Um, what is the role that, self-development well first let me preface this so i first met you i moved to greenville about seven months ago and my fourth day here i went to gvl hustle which is a networking event that you put on Mm -hmm. and i remember meeting you there um and so you are definitely it it is business but there's a lot of like motivation and self-development there so what what role does self-development play in your life i think that you know, we all can have continual growth mm-hmm. and, you know, you're never done. Um, it's kind of back to that, you know, there's certain premises in per- certain things ab- about myself, you know, they're not paralyzed by growth or whatever, but I believe in you're never like stuck in a certain mindset or certain thing. And I had been getting to a place the last, you know, four to five years where reading books and doing podcasts and like, you know, learning about those things where Mm -hmm. I felt like I wanted to be a part of sharing that same mentality Mm -hmm. while also that disconnect. And I think we've talked about this in some of the GVL hustles, like Tyler and I both being in Greenville, but I was in New York for a while. I have family and kids. I'm not, I didn't feel like connected to the community, Mm -hmm. even though, I'm from Greenville, born and raised, and been successful and done things, but I didn't feel connected. So I think it was the, the path of those two things. One, wanting to help Greenville and wanting to share, and at least not just because I knew it all, but at least provide a place where those things, that growth can happen, mm-hmm. combined with wanting to be more connected to the community. And so it was like the intersection of those two things. Um, and that's where, you know, I've just... I've taken more to heart, you know, the, the personal growth side, um, you know, like we all go through challenges and mm-hmm. changes, you know, I've been through divorce. I've seen the worst of myself. I've seen the best of myself, but I think mm-hmm. I've always known there's a Delta of opportunity to grow at all times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do I manifest that? Yeah. What's your advice to someone who is in the worst like they're seeing the worst side of themselves right now and they're just stuck there like they're just lost in this place of i don't like who i am what do they do to get out you know there's two sides to that you know there's one part that i get uncomfortable talking about like the mental health side Mm -hmm. there's like this fine line there like there and that's even doing what we do like that was always like in the back of my head, like this fine line of being a mental health professional and being mm-hmm. personal growth. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a fine line sometimes it is. And mm. so I get, 
I try to leave the mental health side to the professionals. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But on the personal side, you know, it's so interesting, like thinking about like some of my like worst moments personally or professionally, mm -hmm. you know, there's like a certain time where you just have to look in the mirror and say it, this too will pass, mm -hmm. but you have to just make a plan and go mm -hmm. do it. There has to be action. Like the pity party has everyone I've had, we can, I, I've thrown, I've had banners, I've had streamers, I've had airplanes flying by at my pity parties. <laughs> like literally, you know, hot air balloons, awesome. like clown, I invited clowns over for my pity parties. Like, you know, we can all have them. And so I, it's not about get off your tail and go yeah. make it happen. You know, that's not what I'm saying, but like, yeah. but at a certain point, you have to decide mm -hmm. A to B to C and I'm at A and here's the, these are where I decide where you want to get to. Like, mm. don't even worry about the map yet. Let's just decide we're going to Idaho, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. but you got to decide you're going to Idaho, mm -hmm. like decide that I'm going to be okay. I failed as a lawyer, but I'm going to be a financial advisor, whatever, mm -hmm. and get there and start taking steps to do it. You know, like map mm -hmm. out the plan, write it down, create a journal, write down your goals and go do it. And like, action like all that assumes that you've got the mental health side taken mm -hmm. care of because that's where i don't pretend to give advice or yeah. know if there's something chemically or like some like, I, that's just such a hard space like yeah. sometimes sometimes that can be the pro you know, yeah there's been challenges and pitfalls things that happen but like if there's a mental health challenge there that needs to get figured out before you'll ever get to where you're going you know mm -hmm. so it's a delicate balance there. But assuming that part's worked out and this is just the pity party, you know, <laughs> banners, streamers, clowns. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's, I think that's really good advice because I feel like the pity party, we just get stuck there. Yeah. And you don't, you can't see a direction. You don't know where to go. You can't even see, you know, I heard one quote when this cheesy quote, but I still like it about a GPS doesn't give you five steps ahead. It just tells you the next turn. Yeah. You know, like, just what's that next turn? What's yeah. point A? Just go to A. Yeah. Go to Idaho. Yeah. And then from there, you can decide where to go. I'll give you a, a quick story. Yeah, let's do it. So, first year at Clemson, um, I think the first semester I had a point nine GPA. No way. First semester. I mean, it was point like, yeah, or 1.9. It was uh, a 0.9. 1.9. It was a point nine. Yeah, no, 1.9. Okay. 1.9 uh, GPA. Second semester, I think it was like 1.98. Like, it was just no better. Huh. My parents ripped me out of school. And so, I took a year off. And I knew I needed it, too. Like, I had no direction. Like, I was mm -hmm. just partying, having a good time, like, somewhat going to class. But I had no idea what I was trying to get done. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just there at school. I was a marketing major, but, like. <laughs> um, and so, I went and worked at a place called Stakeout. Yeah. Steak delivery. And I, you know, went and delivered steaks. 
and I, you know, made good money, you know, considering I was like a 19 year old, you know, driving my Honda around, <laughs> drilling stakes, the tips were pretty good. And, you know, I went and did that. I went, like, dad's like, you can go get a job. And I'm like, all right, I'll drive around my car and make some pretty good tips. You know, I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. Went and worked there, worked there for like three months or a couple months. And they pulled me into the store. They're like, this guy's not the average, maybe stakeout employee. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Became the manager of the stakeout, like within like five months. Wow. Is like a 19 year old. Mm-hmm. This is the, you know, a lot of pride and joy here. Um, <laughs> And was but was making like forty thousand dollars a year. What? I'm like that's not that bad. That bad as a nineteen. I think I might have turned twenty in the middle of that. Uh-huh. Um, and so like, but I had to make a conscious decision. I got to go back. I'm not gonna work. But I had to give up forty thousand. Like as a nineteen twenty year old, never had really any money. You know, I was like, oh, I don't know. I just keep doing. That. But I knew mm. and gave that up. But the point was, I was in a real pity party before deciding. Okay, I don't have it figured out yet. But step one might be going and being a barista at the coffee house mm-hmm. while you figure out what you want to do with your life, you know, like, mm-hmm. or whatever, because if you don't want to be here, you're having a pity party because something didn't work out, go work at stakeout for a little while and get your shit together. Doesn't mean it's permanent. Doesn't mean it's permanent. Yeah. And figure out what you want to do with your life, but then map out the steps to get there, you know, and maybe you'll figure out, Hey, I want to be a barista and an artist and that's going to make you happy. You decide what's going to make you happy. And, mm-hmm. and then map, map it out to get there. <laughs> yeah, I like it. What are your thoughts on, I'm curious, like I'm really curious on your th- thoughts with this. The balance of like kind of trusting what will work out. I'm not sure if that you can call it fate or just trusting the universe versus creating and working for it. Like what is your thesis on that? Take the question one more time. I want to make sure I'm getting it. You're good. So, so like, what is your belief around how much do you have to work for something to make it happen versus, hey, that's just not meant to be, or that is meant to be, or trusting that everything's going to work out? I am a very, I have very, like, um, on the scale of fate versus making it happen. Here, there we go. I think I the, might rephrase that question. All right. <laughs> so, like... Uh You know, like the balance of the scale, me personally, Uh I'm 90% the make it happen guy Uh and 10% fate. Back to that analogy, like promotions at EP, asking, taking action towards things that I had no business like even asking for. Uh I'm just like, go do it. Like, I'll go figure it out. And sometimes, Sometimes it's kind of like back to the marketing and speaking now. Like my whole life is like marketing and speaking now. <laughs> it's like sometimes a wait and see approach might have been better, hmm. but more times than not, the go make it happen has served me well. And I, I, I do believe in higher powers and like mm-hmm. I believe in things are meant to be. I totally do believe that Mm -hmm. but i believe that those things can be influenced by going and make it happen too yeah that's kind of like where i am i'm like like give it your all go make it happen if it doesn't happen try try again if it doesn't happen try something else yeah you know it's like just keep trying you're gonna have to try but yeah i've why ask that just because i've been um toying with this idea of 
like effort and then effortless just like because sometimes when it's easy is when it really kind of clicks like a really good idea you know instead of like trying to force this man like verizon how can we think of something to like make this blow up but someone just can you hear me now yeah that's like easy it is what's funny like i had Mm -hmm. that conversation with a client too the other day like you know we're coming up with like a tagline or a headline for something Mm -hmm. it seems like sometimes the first the first one that you, the one that you write on the board is it's like it comes quick and it's like you come back to that one i don't know what it is well and it's funny because i feel like you still need to go through the other options so you appreciate that first one yeah yeah right it's like you can't it's like let's have a good idea and this happens with me all the time that the gut is usually the right answer mm-hmm. but i have to go in a cycle of seeing other possibilities and i'm like yep my gut was the right choice yeah but with the speed of now you trust your gut baby and then you're going that's right (laughs) (laughs) all right dude as we wind down i have a segment that's called scroll my soul all right so what that means is i keep a running list of inspirational notes from conversations podcasts books what have you and i randomly scroll through and so i i picked one i stop and i just ask for your thoughts What does it remind you of? How does it resonate with you? Okay. Cool. Got it. So what I have is when you can't win by being better, win by being different. So what does when you can't win by being better, win by being different mean to you? Interesting. That's cool. Um, (laughs) No, I like the, I like the segment. Um, You know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to like think of like we were having a similar discussion with like a client uh, that's trying to like break into a field, mm-hmm. you know, like, and they don't have the dollars to be to play in the same sandbox, so to speak, as the other as, competitors. As the competitor, and so in theory, um, you know, better can be uh, seem better when you know you have more dollars to talk more, get your message out more, reach a frequency to give a media analogy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, reach more people, uh, more times. So if you see the ad over and over and over again, you know, there's a reason like certain things like, you know, advertising actually works, you know, well, even it's it. just <laughs> subliminal messaging, dude. You don't even realize that if you just see it over and over, there's this psychology, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you have to work harder and be scrappier. You know, and I will actually say, and I'll use radical as an analogy, you know, good endpoint, right? Um, radical is built on the premise of being different and not better. It's mm. back to the speed of now, which is we are swinging well above our belt line compared to agencies four, five, ten times bigger than us that are have better uh better bank accounts uh, or uh better resources Mm -hmm. um perceived better talent um but we find differentiation in speed scrappiness efficiency and i think you have to work smarter not necessarily harder Mm -hmm. and 
it's it is harder because being different is hard. It's really hard because it's easy just to fall into. Like if I had one billion, that probably take more than that. If I was just going to create an absolute duplicate of Amazon, you know, absolute duplicate, and I had the money to do it, it's just money. I mean, I'm mm. not saying money's easy, but like uh, you just create it. I feel you. But to create something different than Amazon, but equally as effective, is harder, smarter. You know, just takes more thinking. You just it it does lead me to the premise of more time sometimes. As much mm-hmm. as I hate to say that, but to be different, um, you have to be brave. I like that, man. To be different, you have to be brave. Yeah. It's more fun, though. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome, dude. Well, Ryan, thank you. Um, if you're in Greenville, of course, come check out your co-working space, yeah, Camaraderie. CamaraderieCowork.com. Mm-hmm. You can check it out online, and then we're right here on the Small Private Trail, 25 Delano. Boom. I love it. And yeah, it really is like an awesome trail. This is an awesome spot to be at. Um, do you have anything else on your heart or mind that you want to say? No. Marketing? No, life. I mean, no. Um, follow me at, at Ryan Alford on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You can find, keep up with anything that I'm doing or the agency's doing or camaraderie or GBL hustle. Um, and, you know, I'm very accessible. <laughs> I mean, I think you've seen yeah. that, you know, like. Yeah, I can attest. Yeah, so if I can help anyway, I'm here. Yeah, well, thank you, sir. For real, yeah. I appreciate you taking our out of your day my pleasure brother adios see ya alrighty y'all I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ryan make sure you check out Radical if you have any marketing needs and if you're in Greenville South Carolina and need a co-working space a place, a place to meet with clients and you're sick of working on your couch or in coffee shops make sure you check out Camaraderie and this week's challenge you heard Ryan talk about it is the benefit of making a plan The benefit of just focusing on that next step and figuring out what you want to do. Don't focus on the mountain. Don't focus on the big, huge task that you have to do. Focus on the small next step. You have A, B, C, and just write down, this is step A. This is all I'm worrying about right now is step A. So this week's challenge, inspired by Radical and Ryan, is to make a plan, is to do just one thing per day that's going to lead you towards your big goal. And what mine looks like is I've been inspired lately since I've jumped into entrepreneurship. You don't have anyone telling you what to do. You don't have any tasks automatically assigned to you. You know what to do, but it's no one's forcing you, right? And so I've had to make a list every day. So I'm like, okay, these are my five things that I need to get done every single day to make sure that I'm holding myself accountable, that I'm keeping promises to myself to make sure that you know I'm going where I want to go. I can still have fun. It doesn't have to be hard. I can enjoy those those five things, you know. I know it's going to be grind at times, sending emails and over and over and over again, you know, doing these outreach messages. However, after those five things, I can do what I want. I can go have fun. I can go do another workout. I can go hang with friends. I can go to a movie. I can do other like creative content or if that's not one of my things so my challenge for you is to do just one thing because if you have a nine to five job it's hard to do five things you could do five things per day that's working towards your side hustle or your goal it could be health it could be like your mental health it could be physical health it could be working towards another job that you're trying to a business you're trying to create or a relationship like with your significant other what's that one thing per day that you're going to do this week 
so that's my challenge to you is pick one thing which is you know making a plan so pick one thing that's gonna level you up what's one thing that's going to take you to that next level that's just that one thing don't get overwhelmed by looking at all the steps don't look at you know like I said in the interview G the GPS you can look at the huge list of things to do or the directions to take but that's overwhelming that's why it just gives you the next turn so turn right in 500 feet and then take the next turn so my challenge for you is to do just one thing this week that's going to work you toward your goal don't get overwhelmed and when you feel or when you do that one thing feel proud don't like don't think that one thing isn't enough it is enough like if you do one thing a day that's 365 things a year versus trying to get five things done every day and then you maybe get two done a week so you, that's half you know it's less than half efficient for you so if you think about it doing one thing per, per day is more than enough and make sure you celebrate that you do that one big thing per day that you set out to do you can celebrate you can chill and you can feel good about yourself so do that one good thing this week and you know what to do once you do that one thing once you do that challenge we'd love to hear from you there are a few ways you can report back once you complete the challenge you can post on instagram facebook twitter using hashtag goalink challenge you can tag me right so tag us using at goalink group so make sure you tag us post it holler when you do that one thing so when you finish that one thing this week tag me ryan alford tag radical tag goal link and then we want to see what's that one thing you completed every day to level you up so and if you don't have social media you can use the goal link hotline and the hotline is designed for those who want to remain anonymous or you again like i said don't have social media you don't want social media but you still want that form of accountability accountability so to use the hotline call 385 626-0525 and follow the instructions. So this is, this hotline is to hold you accountable, to hold yourself accountable, to report, to report your goals and what you're doing every single week if you don't have social media. So follow us at Goaling Group. My name is Ben. Thank you for joining in this week. Um, if it's anyone, it's you. If it's any time, it is now. I love you. Have an amazing week.